Welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. In this edition, we'll recap the round four action in the top grades, the round one action in Ron Massey Sydney Shield, and of course the final round in the junior reps. Uh, tonight, I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Forty. Ahoy, hoy. Ham. Yeah. And PM. I'm here, and I'm going to be using my big head tonight, not my little. Okay, and with that, uh, let's get into it straight away with a little bit of news. Um, Starting up, uh, we have uh, BA in the media addressing the reports of player unrest. Um, his response was that he wants the players to be cranky with each other after their couple of round performances. And, you know, fair, fair go. Um, when things aren't coming away on the field, obviously you get the reports of player unrest. Everybody wants out, etc., etc., etc. As soon as we turn the corner, then it'll be happy days again like it was at the end of last season. Any takes on these ones, gents? I mean, there's two ways you can look at it. with the Where there's smoke, there's fire, which, you know, that probably holds true. You want... Maybe 50-50 with sports. It's always hard to tell to get you know a barometer on that sort of stuff. The other part is that do you want your players sort of moping around and you know going around and going through the motions when you're down on four and on five, or do you want them you know fired up, pissed off, and looking you know for every avenue of how you're going to dig yourselves out of this hole? And I tend to fall on the latter side of that argument. You know, even if I am somewhat optimistic in my outlook of the Eels in general. But, you know, I, I don't have issues with players being pissed off. They should be pissed off. They shouldn't be on five. They should be, you know, riled up and and not, you know, yelling at each other and screaming at each other. But there needs to be a little bit of friction there. They need to be, you know, agitating to get that win. And so I don't mind. Yeah, I think it shows passion. Exactly, PM. It's like passion, said, that's all it is. Moping, yeah. moping around and, and sort of consigning themselves to their fate saying, yeah, whatever. Or they can be getting fired up and saying, you know what, we shouldn't be here. This is a mess that we've we've made ourselves. And, you know, yes, I'm the blame. Yes, he's the blame. Everyone has a portion of blame to share. Because if you go 0-5, you can't just say it's his fault or it's their fault. It's all 17 men and all and, and the entirety of the coaching auxiliary staff. Yeah, Everyone 100%. has a portion of blame. 100%. And, and Mitch has been there long. Mitch is the one who was, that they're referring to, I think, because of the audio they picked up. The... I've been having a go at Kenny, trying to get get up and play the ball sort of thing. And Mitch has been there long enough now to know which blokes he can have a go at and fire him up and make him play better and which blokes he's, he's, he's got to be a bit different with. And, and I've got no problem with it. He wanted the quick play of the ball. Kenny does stuff around sometimes in the play of the ball where he's trying to milk a penalty or whatever. It, it doesn't matter. But Mitch is running the show there. If he yells at somebody to get up and play the ball, they should be listening to him. And, and it's a passion that Mitch is showing and it's the reason why he is trying too hard on the field because he's trying so hard to win and bring that whole team with him. You know? It's, it's a really interesting, uh, how do I phrase this, like paradigm from the media where, was it two weeks? No, it was it was three weeks ago after the Manly loss. You had Paul Kent trying to frame everything as, look at the Eels laughing after they've lost that game. You know, how dare they just sit there and take the money from their club and laugh after they lost the game that way. And here we are three weeks later and the, the ball's gone to the other side of the court and look at these eels getting fired up, you know, at, at losses. What are they doing? You know, you, 
so where where are we meant to be in the the purview of the media? It, it's an interesting little um sort of focus to look at. In that you know you sort of can't win either way, can you? If you're too relaxed, you know you don't care, and if you're fired up, you know you you're causing drama. If um if 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 it's all about the um what Moses yelled out to Kenny, I'd hate to um know what the commentators think about the people that I sit around with when <laughs> we see Kenny trying to milk a pen. <laughs> um, but like, these, you know, these commentators should have like most of them should have played some degree of rugby. They should know what happens on the field. Blokes get fired up, you know. Even when you're like not 0-4, when you're right in the you know top four and you're competing for a thing, if if there's a chance of victory that's being messed up because a bloke's playing for a penalty when it's obviously not coming, you know, you you demand that Cameron Smith or Cooper Cronk be you know holding that man accountable on the field, whether it's using you know highly inflammatory language for all the you know sensitive minds out there. That's footy. Yeah, it is, and it's just yeah, like. Kenny tries to play that penalty too often. He needs to just get up, play the ball, get a quick play the ball, which our halves can run off. They don't want to be running off a set, running against a set defence. They want to be running against staggered defences. The way to do that is to get a quick play the ball, especially off Kenny Edwards, who, you know, he's big, fast, and has got a nice sidestep. He's the one that should be getting the quick play the balls, but because he's too busy stuffing around, he doesn't. And just to add one last thing before we move on, um, it's often the case when you're winning, you know, that's what you want is that ultra-competitive dude like your Brady's, whatever else. They're always uh, lauded for their ultra-competitiveness and their will to win. But as soon as you start losing and blokes are still going with that same attitude, then it becomes they're having a whinge or, well, it's toxic. Um, but that's in any sport. Yeah, we love... It just comes with losses as soon as you start. But we love Kenny. Don't take any offence, Kenny. We love you. We know you're trying to do the best for the team, and we also love the passion that Mitch is showing, trying to get things going for the club. So we love we love all you guys out there playing for us. But yeah, you know, we get frustrated as much as you guys do as well as supporters. All right, let's move on to the next bit of news, which is um, a bit of injury news. Clint Gutherson, the return of the King this weekend down in Canberra. Um, who comes back from his ACL after eight months and two weeks. Uh, if we recall back, it was in our uh, encounter with the West Tigers last season that uh, Gutherson did his ACL. Um, he's done the pre-season, he's worked his ass off, uh, done everything required of him, uh, called BA a cat for not naming him last week. Um, so he'll be returning this week and then um, sort of missing out um, on the public, uh, as much public public uh, it wasn't as published uh, is the return of uh, uh, Bevan French to the wing so he slots in we'll get into it in the preview pod next one but he'll slot in in place of Hoffman who's had a couple of Barry Crockers this season uh, did you guys want to come in on, on Clint or we, we, we're all on board with Clint I mean I, I mentioned this in my uh, whiskey musings on TCT which I posted yesterday a day after the game, the game but it's funny, when you look back on our losses this year, and as bad as we've been, you know, the, the Manly game obviously stands out that, you know, 54-0 flogging is just an aberration on the season, no matter where we go, whether we, we miraculously finish top four or not from here on out. But Penrith in round one, 24-14. Uh, in round three, the Sharks, 14-4. In round four, the Tigers, 30-20. And then this week, the Penrith Panthers again, 12-6. You know, like I said, as bad as we've played... You could really make an argument that, you know, we were probably one Quinton Gufferson short 
of being right in any of those matches and maybe sneaking a win or two, which could con- uh, completely change the complexion of time of of the season. So I'm, I'm not expecting you know him to come roaring back to life and in top form this week, but there is no doubt in that he is a talismanic presence for this team. And yeah, it's just like in those few games, well, the except for the Manly game um, and the Tigers game, the other games have all been sort of penalty goals that have beaten us. We've scored the exact same amount of tries. So, the, like, they're not playing as poorly overall sort of thing. I, I reckon, yeah, a bit of um, enthusiasm, good attitude, and um, just a bit of extra ability at fullback from Gutherson will be massive. And then Bevan French on the wing. Um, I thought last week we did probably needed a bit of speed. Um, we could have kicked in and behind a few times, I thought. So, um, yeah, both massive... Um, both massive inclusions and hopefully a, a good uh, bringing in attack for them. And, and with Guffo, it's the little things that add up to so much with his game. Uh, we saw a full sniff at the back. You know, he's a, a live wire off the ball in hand, but there's a lot of you know sloppiness to how he uh, he sort of rounds up the the team from the back. You know, he doesn't get the kicks with the anticipation that uh, someone like Gufferson has. He doesn't return the ball as strongly as Quint, who's a much bigger body. At, you know, 190 and 100 and, and sort of loose change in the um, the KG department. And the other thing that he'll do is he'll back up those half breaks where, you know, Kenny Edwards just poked his nose for a hole a few times in last week uh, last week or two. Same with T-Rex. And there hasn't been anyone off his hip. And that's something that Gufferson is just there all the time. He's relentless. He backs up everything. And, and finally, the fact that he's going to straighten up our edge movements will probably help a lot. Because it's been one of the biggest criticisms on the podcast, hasn't it? That we're too sideways when we go left and right. And, you know, the, the opposition can just slide off from the interior and, you know, not worry at all about, you know, where the ball's going. So, like, you know, it's a, posit- it's gonna, it's a huge positive, you know, him being named because, you know, we've lacked confidence in it as a team. And this is one bloke where I ha- you don't see the frustration on his face. You know, he's like... Um, Almost like a Roger Federer type player, like you know, he doesn't show any emotion. He's always Ice man. calm. Exactly, and when you see him playing, the whole team is gonna get. They're gonna grow. You know, they're gonna get boosting confidence as a team. So, like you know, he's just. It's a huge, huge addition, you know, uh, for our attack and confidence wise. He pushes up an attack, and this is one thing that we haven't done many offloads this season, and part of that's been on the weekend. Nathan Brown turned looking for someone to run off him and there wasn't anybody close enough to him to get the offload away so he held it in something that Gutho did last year was he was always trailing Brownie and some of the other forwards too who had a chance of getting an offload away he was there ready for it and that's something he's going to bring which is going to create some second phase which is the thing we have been lacking so far this season all right well that's what's happening in the news and now we'll get into the previews we'll start with the first grade uh, which is 12-6 to Panthers, uh, rounding out our five straight losses to start the season, certainly not where we wanted to be. Uh, a try to George Jennings, as uh, mentioned by Ham before, uh, one try apiece with three penalty goals to Penrith. Um, now, we had been saying the previous weeks, even share of possession, even share of penalties, and things would right themselves. We certainly got that, but... The attack, I think uh, a couple words to describe it. One would be disjointed. Um, another one would be poor. Anemic, inept, clumsy, clunky. You can list, you can throw all of them out there. We, we looked real shonky 
um, when we had possession. But that was the, I mean, to a degree, it was to be expected, wasn't it? We've had so little ball and had our confidence confidence shattered so badly, you know, really off the back of that uh, Brookvale loss that the team sort of don't really know. Not so much they don't really know, but they don't trust themselves. And maybe it's not even not trust the man next to you, it's not trusting yourself. Because, you know, you're seeing passes, you know, going around ankles and shins. Uh, the line, the timing of the lines is just off from their halves. Uh, so, I don't know. We, there, there were still flashes of, of promise. Corey sort of tested Penrith by stepping back across their sliding defense. He put Kayser for a hole at one point, and Kayser, unfortunately, couldn't get back to Corey with the, the goal line sort of open. Uh, Michael Jennings, you know, got a little bit of early ball down the right edge, made, made something happen in the second half. Yeah, the second half. God, my, my memory of the game is shonky. But it really speaks volumes of how bad the confidence levels are in the team at the moment. But the, the real encouraging signs there were we brought about parity in possession and completion. Uh, we made less tackles than our opposition for the first time this year. And we didn't win and we played ugly football, but we gave ourselves a chance to win. And that's the first time since round one that we've genuinely done that. And only letting in the one try when with, uh, Panthers did look pretty dangerous in our half um, at times. With the man although advantage. Although they are missing their main man, but yes, yeah, still. That we only let in a try when they had the man advantage. And conversely, we couldn't score when we had the man advantage. But for all the praise that the commentators were giving Penrith's defensive line, and they, they were defending pretty well, but we should have scored on them 12 and 13. But uh, old mate Josh Hoffman had the um, really the epitome of where the confidence levels of the team are because... Uh, he's been one of our more reliable finishers across the last year or two, and he just dropped the easiest try he would have scored in his NRL career. Sorry, I, I just need to touch on that. Did you say epitome? Don't you mean epitome? Yeah, yeah that's what I thought too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to pull that one out. <laughs> um, all right, and, and passing around the group, do you want to uh, chime in there, Bertie, Or Yeah, we're just panicked, you know. Uh, like, uh, Excuse me, excuse me. Epitome is the correct word there. A personal no. thing that is the perfect example of a particular quality or type. No, epitome. You're wrong. It's pronounced epitome. Uh, don't, don't bring the th- thesaurus throw, out here. Throw some understand. shade at an old mate 40 in his verbose vocabulary. <laughs> okay, I remember this. I remember this. Don't worry, yeah, I've no, had it before. I if you just don't mind me going on for for, for the um for the the words and vocabulary podcast, um I'd never heard militia pronounced until I was in like uh, I think it was like grade eight as history in, class as in like the military, and I was about the mili- to pre- like the military uh, sort of militia yeah yeah as in militia and I thought it was militia was how it was pronounced so you know I almost I mean, made an ass of myself there that that's not like a an embarrassing like when you that that's a sort of a I mean, it's not like an epitome or something. <laughs> that's that's more more. Uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? But the fact that the English language is so weird phonetically, with a lot of its its words that you know some follow rules and others don't. There are the exceptions, and you you could easily see why militia would be what you'd think. <laughs> All right, well we'll save that for the vocabulary podcast. On to you, Bertie. Sorry to cut you off. You sure I can go now? Yeah, I'm sure, Bertie. <laughs> no, no, seriously, like. We just panicked, you know, like, and it's the worst. Like, Penrith for a side, they're going to rush up in defense. So, the one time we get enough ball to, you know, work on our plays, we get a rushing defense. It's just meant, like, as you saw, Tyron Peachy was rushing in and he was smashing Will Smith and Corey Norman every time we got the ball. So, we were just panicking, you know, and it just added more to our, um, you know, lack of confidence, you know, we just couldn't do anything, you know, even if we wanted to do something, we're getting 
rushed up in our face and you know I kept saying throughout the whole game kick him behind kick him behind but it took them what to the second half to do it and you know we scored off it so they couldn't hear you birdie do <laughs> you hear me now <laughs> <laughs> you know what happened we just forget what I say <laughs> all good we all, we all caught you birdie do you, do you want to chime in there for uh, uh sorry pm well I've, I've got five points basically and they don't just refer to the to the game at the weekend. It's probably the whole season. But point number one is not taking penalty goals when they're on offer. Now, we had a perfect opportunity on the weekend. We probably could have had three shots at penalty goal. We lose the game by six points. And not to mention that it gets you a different field position and everything changes in the game. But if we then started kicking those goals and it puts a bit of pressure back on the Panthers, it could have changed the it's whole a- game. You know? Very fair criticism, I think. That yeah. is, I pointed out in my post-match blog as well, but it, it does feel like an area in the game that we are behind the metagame in the NRL. Yeah, compared to other teams, there, there is a lot of penalties this year, as we've stated in previous weeks, and you've got to take the points when they're on offer. So that, that's my first point. Um, second point is probably the lack of minutes which Tim Manor and Bo Scott are playing. Um, the output, especially from Tim Manor, is very good for the minutes he plays. But, like, on the weekend, he played 26 minutes. He didn't come on at all in the second half. Bo Scott hasn't played any more than about 30 minutes in a game, either in the games he's played. And that puts a lot of pressure on your, your rotation. Now, if we can get minute, as I said, Manor's output is very good for the minutes he plays. But if we can get him up to 40 minutes a game, you're going to get better out. One, if you can get the output, the same as a better output. Plus, it helps your rotation on the bench. We ran out of interchanges on Sunday with 11 minutes to go. Brownie hurt his ankle with eight minutes to go, has to strap it up and continue on. Now he's out for a couple of weeks. Um, number three, too much sideways in the opponent's 20. That probably came to prominence this week because it's the first time we had spent much time in our opponent's 20 all season. But there's too much sideways. We get really good hit-ups and go forward to get to that end of the field, and then we get up there and just throw it sideways. And what's wrong with using a, a forward, hitting it up and looking for an offload, and there's a couple of runners running off him? There's been none of that. There was not enough questions answered at defence. Um, the fourth one, Tepoy. He's going great, but he seems to be playing too much in the middle. Last year, he was on the edge, got a really good combination going up with Moses, put him over for a couple of tries during the season, but I don't know whether it's because Evans is not there, but he's playing too in the middle, which is struggling his output, and he's, he's just not the player he was last year because of that. He's given 100%, there's no doubt about that but we're not getting the impact because he's playing in the middle. And one that really gets my goat, because when I played rugby league as a youngster, under 10s, under 12s, 14s, we had, we had a, a thing where we run up three forwards for the first three plays, then would spin it out and try and create something, and then kick on the last. Now, this really gets my goat, is a front rower hitting it up on tackle four straight out the middle of the park. You've already had probably three front rowers or two, pack, two front rowers and a back row already run it up, gets the tackle four, and we give it to Polar to run it up the middle. And then we kick yeah, on the next. More modern terms, it's probably known as the poor gallon gambit. Yeah, but it's all right in our own half, if, you want, if you're trying to get field position. But we were doing it in Penrith's half. For yeah, most of the time. I, I didn't say that it's a positive thing. One of Paul no. Gallon's worst traits is that he, he runs the ball on fourth tackle for the Sharks and then for New South Wales back yeah. in the day. He used to get criticised a lot for it. We try and... He'd take that hit up when the halfback should have been getting the ball. And I think we've got some really good attacking players. And on tackle four, you want to chance your arm a bit if you're inside their 30. 
and try and create something. And if you don't, if you end up in the corner, you've got the whole other side of the field to use on the last for a cross-field kick or to run it through the hands. And it's just a, that really gets my goat, that one. But that's my five gripes, I suppose, more than points for this week. And hopefully that can sort of improve over the next few weeks with some of the players coming back. Because I suppose in the off-season, a lot of our attacking practice was done with Hayne there and with French there. And they've been missing the last couple of weeks. So maybe that'll help things along when our French is back this week and Guffo. Haynes a couple of weeks away. Maybe things will get better, but I was much more impressed with our go forward and our defence is probably the best it's been all season on Sunday. If we can keep that up, keep the enthusiasm up, you know, we're on the right path. I think, yeah. Sorry, you go, um, you go Mish. Yeah, sorry. Uh, just going back on your point three pm, I think it was point three about um, going too sideways and not enough inside runners from our forwards and everything. Um, Yeah, uh, just, I just wanted to say that uh, I, I noticed that a lot in our attack when we were in the opposition 20 or 30 was that if a player's, like if a half's drifting across field, it's fine. I don't care if they drift across field. But there was either no one running up with them or trying to run a separate line. They all just stood still, stood back, which means Norman and Moses have to take the tackle there. Or, um, or, uh, for some reason they take it to the line and then their outside players are up in are up where it's going to be a forward pass if they throw the ball you know where is our timing gone that was the one thing that we did have last year was actually really good timing in in, in attack um so yeah it's just it was just, it's something it was really frustrating because we, it was it was something that was so good and is it because we've got um Tony Williams there Instead of Tep, Tep runs a really good line. He mightn't be the most fantastic attacking player, but he knows when to time his run. He's usually um, there supporting the player. I, I, I like Tep on the edge too, and I, I'd prefer Tony Williams on the bench coming on as maybe a prop. That, that's, my per, that's my personal opinion though, but... You know, it's our timing's incredibly out on our edges. I, I don't know what's wrong there. Is it not enough communication from the halves? Is it uh, our outside players being lazy? I don't know what's going on there. If you don't mind me chiming in on that one, Ham, um, in the preseason, obviously the back line was completely different to what it is at the moment. And this is an excuse. It's just offering a, an explanation. But on the right edge, we had Tacker, um, Hayne, and then Hoffman. On the left side, we had um, Mau, Jennings, and Avaar. Now, at present, Jennings has switched from left to right. Jennings, George Jennings, is playing on the wing outside, and he's been doing fantastic. Our second rower is moved from... It started with Takarangi, then Marol was playing some there, Kenny Edwards playing in the right, and now it's T-Rex is starting, and obviously he's coming back from an ACL, so he doesn't have too much under his boot, and he's only had two games back in first grade. And then you're playing Avar, who's mostly played wing for us at left centre, and then Hoffman, as I said, has had a couple of Barry Crockers. Um, but outside of him this week will be French. So there is, whilst there isn't personnel changes, uh, there's a lot of shifts from either playing right edge or left edge. And, of course, that's going to have an impact on those attacking structures. Um, But simply, at the end of the day, it's not good enough. You know, we've scored 44 points this season. Um, Raiders have scored in excess of 120. So um, 
it's just not good enough. It doesn't matter who's there, who isn't. But that might be one of the explanations. Um, but they've got to fix it up, and that's as simple as it is. Sorry, 40, you were going to go on with something else. Oh, I was just going to say, sorry, that I think PM's pretty fair in all his criticisms there. None of them, you know, are reaching or being overly harsh. A lot of it's, you know, very straightforward footy stuff, which, once again, is an issue when you're sort of doubting yourself, I suppose, which the team very much would be after this last five weeks of play. But I, I think, for me, the biggest takeaway out of that loss was the fact that they'd showed genuine fight. You know, there was hustle on the defensive side of the ball, Nathan Brown obviously put on that hit of the year on Reagan Campbell-Gillard. Uh, Corey Norman had a really, really good sneaky one-on-one strip in the second half. Uh, second half? First half. Uh, first second half. half. First half. First half. God. And and in general, like we mentioned it before, but Penrith could only score when they had the man advantage, and even then, it was off the boot, you know, which is the... the like I don't want to say... Pull a, a Mary McGregor here and say that it's not the same sort of points try... But, you know, a try off the kick is the, the the weakest way to be scored against or the or the opposite? Is it the best way to be scored against? Because it shows some integrity, like respect to the integrity of a defensive line. Uh, but, you know, it, it's the character that had been sorely lacking in the first... Uh, well, not first. We had it in the first half against Penrith in round one. But since then, the next three and a half games of play... So it sucks to be 0-5, but this is the first real game where you can look at that tape and say, this is something we can build on. Well, I just want to pull on, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but 60 said it's all right if I just follow him. Um, in the context, sorry, out of context of this season so far, this loss wouldn't be taken as such a bad one if we hadn't had those four results beforehand. And, you know, we were sitting at, let's say, two wins, two losses. Wouldn't be the end of the world. Um but at the moment, in the context of an 0-4 season going into that match, uh, we needed a win. It didn't matter how it came. Um, and whilst it's great to have that defensive integrity, it, it seemed like the Parramatta of 2017 back, you know, that and 2016, to put that in uh, together, that there was a defensive resolve. There was uh, players trusting each other in defence. Um, but, of course, our attack was extremely clunky. But there was that resolve that will to win, but it just wasn't enough over a Panthers team that, you know, they're in the top four, they're in there for a reason. You might say that, you know, they've come up against us twice, they've come up against the Cowboys once, who aren't doing too well themselves. Um, but they've won those games, and, you know, in situations where we've had uh, games that, in those critical moments, we could have won, but we, we haven't so far this season. Um, so, But having said that, I, I watched that match on replay in a context context where I already knew the results so maybe I was trying to find the positives out of that that game um, which I think there were many but, but still um, it doesn't matter unless you get a, a win Alright, did anybody else have anything else to say on that or we'll move into some more positive results uh, Yeah, the, probably the, the only other thing worth mentioning is that Nathan Brown will be a, in the casualty ward out of that game so that's unfortunate all right, well, let's move into ISP. So a result that none of us saw coming, uh, Wentworthville avenging their uh, big flogging earlier in the season to run out 28-12 to 12 victors over Blacktown workers, uh, Sea Eagles. Um, yeah, so well, I don't think any of you guys were in attendance, but uh, there's a nice write-up on the Eels website. It was only last podcast where I was lamenting how I can't see where Wentworthville are going to get their next win this year. 
given how yeah. badly they've played. Like, I, I tore into them. Like, and I, I don't think it was unfair that I tore into them. But holy shit, I don't turn up to a game and all of a sudden the bastards start winning. Like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, the highlights... I don't know if you guys saw the highlights for the game, but I don't think Wenty scored any particularly great tries, but it showed a lot of hustle, I think. They kept the ball alive, and uh, they tested... Uh, I was about to say Mounties. They tested Blacktown on both edges by keeping the ball alive and you know making the, the defense have to constantly push up and turn up. So, fantastic effort because they got pumped 46-0 in round two. And, you know, given the team that they put onto the park on Sunday, it looked like it was going to be a 50 or 60-point thrashing because they played a prop at 5-8. Peaky Rogers was in the late male team as 5-8. And I was looking around at that team trying to figure out, oh, maybe he's been named there and they're going to push someone else there. And I don't think there was anyone else in the team that could have played in the halves. So I'm pretty certain he played in 5-8 and scored a try doing so. Are we and more are we Sorry. more shocked that Winnie won or that Matungi scored? <laughs> Matungi and Vave. <laughs> yeah, and Vave. Um, I don't think it'll get them a recall to the first grade, but uh, obviously a great effort from the ISP boys. And hopefully that's something they can build on because they've got a tough game coming up this weekend. Um, uh, sorry, they don't. They've got a they've got a buy, so got I think they, they they can go away the, with the two the way, points. The way went to a sorry, I was thinking about last week, it would have been it would have been it would have been a tough fixture this week, even with um the buy, but they've got the win, so they can have the week off. And um, well, that might be unfortunate actually on the back of a win. They they can't carry that momentum into next week. You know what's unfortunate? That uh, New South Wales Rugby League don't have stats for this game. They've got stats for the other five games this week, but the Wenty Blacktown game is going to come up later this week sometime, so we can't even break down who starred on the um, stat sheet. All right, well, on to another positive result in the flag. Eels uh, running out 22 uh, to 14 victors over Manly. Um, not as big a scoreline as we thought it might have been, but uh, I saw some of the highlights. There was some very soft Manly defence on those edges, and your man 40, bagging a try for himself to to, uh, to wrap the whole game up. Yeah, cash money, getting on the board, putting it in the bank, baby, take those points to the bank. Uh, the, the highlights for that game were interesting because for those who watched the uh, SG ball last year and then the, fle- or the then Holden Cup and now Flegg, Dylan Brown is just doing Dylan Brown things. He just sort of runs down the right edge and he glides. And then he gets to the fullback. He looks left and right and he's got, yeah, I've got Ethan Parry on my inside, but I'm going to beat the fullback myself and just beats him with speed. So he just, he moves at it. And uh, and it's an easy pace, like like Hain or Lockyer maybe. He just, he, he's got such a natural athleticism about him. And he, he obviously scored. In fact, all the key players for the Eels got on the board uh, well, I suppose that's a that's a big um, big um, pump up for James Porter who also scored. But Jamin Salmon on his uh, club debut, obviously Dylan Brown and Reed Marnie all crossed for the uh, Eels in what is an important win because it keeps in touch with the top four. And did you want to uh, add anything? Sorry, there, Ham. Um, no, I wish I could. I wish I could have gone to watch this game instead of first grade. I think now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing I can say. Um, yeah, it's it's just good to see um, Salmon have a good club debut, and from the highlights, Dylan Brown, as Forty said, is doing Dylan Brown things. Um, yeah, I wish we had a stats or a better compilation of the of the game to watch, so we could actually see it was how a, they performed. It was a little detail, but I was I shared this with Ham earlier. 
before the podcast, but when Salmon scored his try, which was a, it was both really, really good from him and really weak from Manly because he beats the initial shooter with good strength and, and core body, you know, power to break the tackle and then get, head towards a try line. But uh, Manly chirped at him a bit um, after he scored the try and he wasn't afraid to give some back, which is always good to see in a, a young footballer. Obviously, within reason, you don't want him going off the rails with the uh, the bants. But he like some he other pretty, sharks players. <laughs> yeah, but um, he he certainly brings that um shyer edge to his game. I think so. He'll he'll be a, a really good addition to this team and maybe even more senior grades this year. Well, I'm just thinking because there was a a sharks former sharks player in the manly team. I'm just going to have a quick look. Uh, um, a little bit, a little I bit of bad blood between ex teammates, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, Luke Metcalf. Metcalf, yep. yeah, yeah. That, that's who I'm thinking, or um, Samisi Kiowa. So it could have been one of them. Um, might have had a little bit of chat to him. Having a little bit of chat to an old old um, squad yeah. mate. Yeah. Yeah. So might might have been um, some of that. But a good good win for the twenties. I know it wasn't the margin that we we're probably predicting after their thirty six six or thirty six four belting in round two of our manly. But, like I said, it keeps them in touch with the top four. And given who they'll be facing up against next week, it actually gives them a chance to leapfrog Mounties into the top four for a win in round six. All right. Now, on to a positive result, but an overall negative result uh, in the SG ball, which saw the Eels surprisingly run out 34 um, to 16 victors over the... I think they were second place coming into the yeah, fixture. Yeah, ended up Knights. third place. Yeah, offered. Um, so, uh, unfortunately... With a three-point differential, we finished on ninth, um, three points behind. Um, Illawarra, it was it? Manly or Illawarra, oh. one of them. Let me find out. Um, for you. Unfortunately, and you know that's that just shows the importance of of how terrible our game was against the Bulldogs the week before, where we lost you know sixty points to to whatever it was. Um, so unfortunately, a learning lesson for the boys, but the, the, they uh, they sealed the season fairly well. So I'll leave that to to Ham and Forty um, to not only break down this game, but to to give us a season wrap on the SG ball there. Well, uh, yeah. So for this I'll, game um, individually, looking at it, they finally they finally held the ball. <laughs> <laughs> they, that's that's honestly that's what they did, and because we've got the team there to score points, and that's what they did, and they defended well. For um, Newcastle, looked very sharp. They've got two fantastic halves in uh, Jock Madden and Phoenix Cross, and I think they'll be the 18s halves this year in the state of origin when it comes time to it. But um, yeah, we just held the ball. We kicked uh, properly. Um, we threw up a bomb, and their winger dropped it. So we went to his wing the next time. We scored again straight after the set. Um, JP Nora, um, he's really he's really um, impressed me since. Schneider's gone down. He's he talks. Um, he was my man of the match um, for this week. And Itasi Matatao uh, started the game and just was non-stop in attack. I think he. <laughs> I, I don't. Ha- I don't have any numbers in front of me, but um, he w- he probably would have been up there around the 15-16 hit up mark. Um, Stefano had a good game. There was one kick off there where he. Uh, yeah, so he w- was on a. a after a try, so he's returning a kick, and he carried about three or four of the Newcastle defenders to halfway. Um, he was just so powerful, and he got up and played the ball, which um, was su- is surprising because Stefano has dropped a few uh, this year. But yeah, ab- absolutely fantastic um, uh, game from them, and there there will be a few that will push up. 
um, I think we'll discuss that a bit now. Forty um, wants to uh, uh, t- talk about more about the season as a general. Yeah, I mean, there is no way to frame the season as anything but a disappointment. And I, I know Hamish said that it was a surprise result, and it certainly was given the context of their form. But it wasn't a surprise result when you think about the expectation of this team. You know, them, them, and uh, Newcastle were kind of like fated rivals this year when you look at it from a talent perspective and go back to the 2017 Harold Matthews Grand Final. Uh, sorry, 2016 Harold Matt's Grand Final. And it just it all fell apart. And it's been the same issue week in, week out that was possession, completion, discipline, and defense. And they righted that this week, much like how first grade arrested most of those problems and gave themselves a chance. And what do you know? Not only did they win, but they belted one of the, the premiership favorites in the SG ball. And like they they've spanked them, so really really disappointing year. Uh, it's going to be. I learn. I mean, one of my favourite sporting phrases is that you learn more from a loss than you learn from a win, and especially across the course of a season like this, I think the team would have learnt a lot about themselves. The coaching staff and the talent identification staff would have learnt a lot about the boys involved, and I think there are a handful of boys that really enhance their credentials. JP Nora really stands at the forefront of that list. Um, I don't think the bloke, he, he didn't, you know, he made a couple of errors here and there, but he didn't stop working his ass off. Uh, and he really cemented himself as a leader. And he now he now gives himself the prompt opportunity to step up and be the number one for the jersey flag. With I mean, there's usually a sort of transitional process that goes with SG ball players stepping up where they, they were training for the squad for about a month in the 20s. Uh, but he's a guy that I'm going to look to to be a, a certain starter at some point in flag this year. Um, across the squad, who else impressed you, Hamish? I know um, big uh, big Dave Hollis, for the most part, was one of our best players this year. He had a shocker. He, the poor guy had a shocker against the Dogs. But he was a real, real good bench presence. And he's a... Yeah, he, brought, he definitely brought it back around in the last game. Um, yeah, he held the ball, ran hard. And um, defended well. And, and um, we're with Dave, he's playing a year young in SG ball. He's a big physical presence. Um, uh, Aussie boy hailing from Warhope, isn't it? Uh, Warhope, um, Port Macquarie-ish. So he's, he's one of those guys that probably draw comparisons to Dave Clemmer because he's got that you know big, rangy build, plays prop slash lock. Uh, sorry, I'm just going to have to pull up the team list from last week so I can... Yeah, um, I orientate myself. He he, uh, he didn't play all season, but Brent Barnes had a, had some mm-hmm. um, late late and couple of good games. Team, but he, he looked alright. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I uh, even though the back line in our flag is it's pretty stacked at the moment, I expect him to uh, be pushing up. You know, he's got a good size. He holds his wing well. Um, he's starting to get involved in rucking the ball out. Um, Valence Harris was just solid. Matt Dury. Um, yeah, Dury. He was very good. Who, was who very unfortunately good. is um, off to Canterbury at the end of the year, but he's a very talented young back rower. Um, his partner on the other edge, Charbel Tassapali. He he's a he's a pretty talented and athletic prospect. He he's been a star in the t- in the team in the younger durations through Harold Matz. I think it was the national championship game up against the Northern Pride where he played one of the starring hands alongside JP Nara. So he, he's one of those guys that will really feature moving forwards. I know Ham wrapped Ataisi Matautau, who's a, a big hulking 
once again, that tweener prop slash lock. Harry Duggan came on as the season went on. He's a yep, um, big industrious uh, prop. Not not the most a not the um, sort of most talented player that we have in the team, but he brought a lot of enthusiasm. Um, was Jaden Yates, especially during those uh, that month where we were just playing terribly. And and I to be fair, was... the Jaden he was asked to plug a pretty difficult hold fill once Kyle oh, Schneider yeah, went sure. down. So Jaden was a, a back rower utility that sort of found his way into the starting and and bench relief hooker role because uh, Kyle Schneider, obviously the captain and you know one of the core players for the SG Ball, uh, busted his shoulder early on in the season and he's been filling that breach ever since. But yeah, outside of that, I think um, you know I don't think we can put too many too many positives on the players just because of how talented they are. They should be, they sh- they shouldn't even been in the bottom four of the top eight. They should have been top four. Um, they, 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 in saying that, they have uh, there wasn't there was a, lo- a lot of lost talent. Um, Kyle Schneider mid year, Bailey beyond Yodo. Um Dylan Brown playing flag. Dil- yeah, I, yeah, he's so I, I wouldn't really count him. Um, as, as an SGA ball player at, at the moment, he is of age. Yeah, no, no, no. But um, the, yeah, the, just... and on top of that, there, there's a couple other fringe guys that were seen as the the next man up in key positions that, due to uh, restrictions with the SG ball, the club couldn't unfortunately get clearance for. So stuff like that you don't see you don't see sort of firsthand as a fan um, help shape the season negatively. But like Ham said, in the end, the responsibility falls on the players and the coaches, and they would have fallen well below their expectations for this year, like well below. But you live and learn, and like I said, oftentimes you learn more from a loss. So these guys will um, get their whatever their um, sort of assessment charts are at the end of this season. Um, a handful of them will go into contention for the flag. We talked about that. Nora, uh, Barnes, William Key. I know Lorenzo Pritchard got some preseason time in the flag. Uh, Stefano's a forward prospect that can go there. Valence played. Valence played. How I'm holding cup last year, uh, yeah. one one game or two. So he's going to be right in the mix. Uh, Tassapawi, you could say maybe is a depth. You know, if, if things go catastrophically wrong in the back row, and possibly Harry du- Harry Duggan as well. Yeah, Harry Duggan is one of the uh, senior members that you know can fill a hole uh, in the prop rotation up in the twenties. So yeah, I think. Um, yeah, just a, just a poor season. Um, unfortunately, they uh, re- uh, didn't realise until it was too late um, to hold on to the ball. If they started uh, a month earlier, I, th- I think we would be seeing them um, playing in the in the finals this week. But mu- much like further. with first grade, it shows you how debilitating it can be once you get inside your own head, doesn't it? Because they, 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 there's no doubt the kids would have known that hold on to the bloody ball and you're going to give yourself a chance to win the game. But once you get out there and the whistle's blown, it all changes. It's it's kind of like the you know the old saying the the well, I'm not sure who said it historically, but essentially that the best laid plans last until the you know the first swords are crossed, which means you know once once the whistle's blown and you start fighting the opposition, your your plans are only so good and worth so much. Sorry. All right. Well, let's move on to a positive result, which saw the Eels Harold Matthews squad uh, flog the Knights 42 to eight, uh, which sees them finishing second. Not outright. Well, 
not outright second. They're on the same amount of points as the two teams below, but their points differential is quite uh, in excess of the other two teams. Um, now they'll be playing Manly next week. Uh, for some reason, they're playing at Manly's home ground, even though they finished one rung above. Yeah, and uh, We'll get into that in the preview. I, I just found that a bit strange. It's, it's not a consolidated game either, which is really weird. So, Maybe I'll 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 um I'll tweet the club or something to find mm. out what the hell's going on there. Good idea. Um, but anyway, did you guys get to 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 catch this performance? My man Ham. Yeah, <laughs> lucky. Um, I did. Yeah, they just um they shook off the cobwebs from the week before against the Dogs. Uh, they just, they smashed them up in the middle. Uh, our our prop rotation was absolutely fantastic. Peter Tate was playing like a man possessed. Um, he was carrying players at like. I don't think I've seen a better prop performance in the Harold Matson. You know, we've seen some pretty good um, forwards coming through in the past few years, but that individual game alone, um, I don't think I've seen a better... better. F- his second stint wasn't as, as great, but his first stint on the field um, just gave us so much room, gave the halves so much time, um, put us in p- gr- fantastic positions on the field. Um I, I I liked uh, the starting of Kyle Leonard. Um, we did that the week before the Dogs game, and then we went started with Drew Lloyd for um, for the Dogs game. And I thought he just he doesn't Kyle brings a lot of um, enthusiasm to the team. He mightn't be as technical as Drew as a dummy half, but he's in there. He's looking to get around the ball. He brings the forwards on well. Um, but yeah, the forwards absolutely smashed the props. Absolutely smashed the um, knights, and that's where we won the game. On top of um, Jacob Arthur and his fantastic kicking, is just the, the they had no match for it. Um, yeah, I think we can see that in the uh, yeah a few of our forwards um, scored scored the tries. And if you get a chance of the highlights, uh, jo- Joshua Tuipulotu scores one of the best kick return tries you'll ever see he catches a bomb um, beats two players as soon as he catches the ball in the air I don't know how he did it but he brushed past them somehow um, and then just went in untouched to go straight under the post it was an absolutely fantastic try to um, see from the young man it's a, a shame that the dogs had the bye this week so he couldn't get a barometer and have it travelling because they finished the season in fifth one win behind Parramatta, Manly, and Newcastle, so just outside that top four. But their four and against is like far, far in a, in um, arrears compared to the other three teams. But yeah, it would have been nice to see how they travelled after playing us last week because they turned up fired up in round eight. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but it, it does show that that game was an anomaly more than anything else. Uh, I'm not expecting the Eels to necessarily... Possibly some complacency. Yeah, and perhaps. It's been a reared before the final. Per- somehow perhaps. The loss that we had to have. Yeah, if you to pull out one of the you know the famous sporting cliches, the loss you know that you need to have for sure. Now you're not expecting the Eels to romp through the finals because Penrith are going to be a you know a really good outfit finishing at first in the minor premiership. Uh, Seagulls played us real tough at the start of the year. They've got a big strong team, uh, and you know Newcastle probably be looking for revenge at some point if they meet us. Uh, any point in the the sudden death component of the season, but you know it, once again it's a good team that is playing better than the sum of its parts, and it's no surprise that they managed to put away uh, Newcastle the way they did. So hopefully they can um put Manly in their place next week. But that's the preview pod. But yeah, that whole lot of land is really weird. That uh, for those who aren't unaware, usually once you hit to the um the postseason of the district reps, there will be two games 
when there are obviously four games available. Two games on Saturday uh, posted to one ground, usually Leichhardt or St. Mary's, and the other two games will be posted to the, um, the other ground, once again, Leichhardt or St. Mary's. So in this case, Leichhardt Oval's hosting uh, the Sharks and Tigers, and the Panthers and Knights, um, and Campbelltown's hosting the Dogs and Steelers, whereas we're built at Lotterland, so not really sure what's going on there. All right, well, I'll, I'll tweet the club, f- try to find out what's going on, because um, that's a bit of an anomaly. Um, all right, we've got four games left to wrap up. Ron Massey Cup, I, th- I think we'll get through these pretty quickly. Ron Massey Cup, uh, a surprise loss to the Hills District going down 22-24. to Hammond 40, did you did you guys get out there, or no, it clashed? No, didn't, didn't get out to Ron Massey, unfortunately. I even know where Crestwood Oval is, if I'm going to be honest. Uh yeah, Wenty were on. I remember following the Twitter updates. Wenty had a pretty solid lead at one point, so they obviously uh, got run down by um, Hills District. So yeah, it was a 16-0 lead at half time. So they threw away a pretty handy lead there. Uh, yeah, Bo Henry steered the team around well in the first half. It looks like uh, once again, it's it's early in the season. Where is it? is that the first official round? Is that yeah, it is. Yeah, first round. So it's really hard to get a gauge on who you know is what. And um, who's going to be the big dogs in this competition? We know that Wenty's going to be up there because they always are in the Ron Massey. We we touched on it last week. They've got really good Ron Massey reserve grade, like reserve reserve graders, but weak ISP reserve reserve graders. Um, so I wouldn't read too much into that. Uh, obviously, it sucks to lose after leading 16-0 at half time. But yeah, the the a long time to play in that competition. If they're sitting 0-5, we can start talking about you know how catastrophic the season's going to be. And on to the Sydney Shield, which uh, we ran out 44-12 to 12 victors in. Um, also against the Hills District. Um, again, not in attendance. And then I'll just wrap up the two women's competitions, uh, which saw um, Paul Wentworthville in the New South Wales Premiership uh, get 82 points to 12. Um, unfortunately, I've had a look at the draw, and the team coming second, which is the uh, Country Rugby League, um, uh, sorry, second last, so below Wenty, um, have had a win over, uh, you know, another team, or at least, you know, they've played them close. Um, so I think this Wentworthville team, unfortunately, like our girls in the um, the Tasha Gales squad, uh, are going to be in for a very tough year this year. But as we said on previous pods, it's all about learning. And fingers crossed, you know, just week by week, month by month, they take some uh, some lessons out of these games and, if, and get better. If I recall correctly, that's a pretty similar trajectory to what happened with our Tasha Gale squad, wasn't it? Obviously got hammered by the, the Tier 1 teams, then lost pretty convincingly to the, the, the guys that should be in the same tier or girls that should be in the same tier as them before they sort of turned their season around and, you know, and figured out how to, to play a bit of footy against the, the, the other teams. So... It sucks to get beaten by that much, and it doesn't look great when the the team that's meant to be you know as bad as you is also flogging, um, you know, flogging other teams and looking at tier above you. So long long road ahead, but we've we've talked about it plenty, haven't we, Hamish? That it's about taking your lumps now to be better off in the future. And lastly, in the last uh, round of the Tasha Gales, unfortunately, the Eels went down 20, uh, 12 to 66 against the Knights. The Knights coming in second overall, so again, they were in that top tier. Um, now, that was a top eight uh, uh, final series. Unfortunately, the girls finished in ninth on points differential, but they were about 100 points back in the points differential, so um, unless they'd got another win, uh, they weren't making it. Um, 
But again, two wins against uh, similar ranked sides. So that's something to take away. And hopefully next year they can build on that, get some more... Um, uh, a bit more uh, playing skills under the belt after that year in the in the um, the under 18s comp, and then take that on for next year. It's a it's a small positive, but th- that 12 points is actually three tries and not two converted tries. So it, it's probably better in that way that they cross line the extra time, and I've, it's a pretty stark improvement from when they were getting belted to blot by you know the sharks and whatnot earlier in the season. So they obviously improved in some capacity against the T1 teams if they're crossing the white stripe three times and and looking at that scoreline the the sharks sharks the knights didn't miss a conversion which is amazing in any sort of limited format game where invariably some try is going to be scored a little bit to the right or left of the post and people suck at drop kicking so they converted 11 from 11 that's pretty impressive no they take goal kicks from a oh there, there you go yeah from there you go still <sighs> still impressive <laughs> all right well i think that'll wrap that all up did we have any last thoughts on first grade before uh... i'm out of I'm, i've run out of like things that i've got for mockers um sg ball broke the duck tasha gales broken the duck uh wenty broke the duck earlier that, that day so um i wore different jerseys i, I didn't attend the game so the, the games didn't attend in flag and um and ISP, they won. So I've got enough of more on my end, guys. I've tried everything to break this curse. So it's, it's on it's on the boys in King Guffo now. It's on us. It's the podcast. No, don't say that. <laughs> don't, don't you put those evil those evil words in the air. Uh, just one last thing I wanted to, to touch on. Um, you know, uh, not on the game, but fans that are, that are, you know, smashing the club's social media. I know you're frustrated, but, you know, Sacking BA is going to change these issues. Sacking every, you know, I, th- I think I've seen every player's been mentioned to get sacked. That's not going to fix these issues. Um, the issues that we have, obviously, the first four rounds weren't good enough. The game against Panthers was an improvement, but obviously not getting over the line. And in the context of the season, uh, it certainly puts a dampener on things to be swept by our local rival in the Panthers. Um, not great. Um, but having said that, uh, there was signs of improvement, um, especially the defensive resolve. You saw a lot of those hits from Brownie, uh, from everybody else, the 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 willingness to back up your man in defence. Uh, a lot of those cover tackles, again, I watched this uh, after knowing the final result, so I've taken it all with uh, probably you know looking for the positives as opposed to the negatives. And the attack will come. We showed that last season where we had some games where you know we were awful in attack, but then the next week come out and we put on you know 50 points against the Broncos or something like that. So. Um, it's something to build on. Um, it's good to see them showing that resolve that was missing for the first four weeks. And um, fingers crossed they can take that down to Raiders and get their first win down at GIO Stadium. All right, other than that, I think we'll wrap it all up. Yes, it's so, said, mate. I like it. Well, thanks from all the gents here. And um, we'll catch you on Thursday or Friday with the preview pod. Cheers. See you, later. Au revoir. See you guys. Yeah, see ya.